able to see now. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us here again this week, uh, where we try to give you uh, updates on everything that's happening in the markets and talk about different uh, things, financials. And, um, and this week, we're going to be talking, we're going to bring you live updates from the, uh, the Trump uh, impeachment. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. That'd be very boring. Uh, it is underway right now. Uh, if you're interested, I'm sure there's several news channels that have that out there. We're going to talk about the markets. We're also going to talk about uh, ESG investment or environmental, social, and governance investment, uh, as it's been a big part of, uh, of the economic, uh, I would say recovery or the economic growth uh, for the last year, and certainly a big theme for 2021. So we're going to dive into not just what that means, but uh, where to look for that and kind of the opportunity we see there. Uh, before we jump into any of that, though, uh, as always, uh, keep in mind, everything we do talk about is for information purposes only. Don't, uh, don't take this as advice. Do do your own due diligence or reach out to us. Um, you can always reach us at mikeonmoney.com uh, or give us a call or email. Happy to answer any of your questions uh, as it might, re might relate to your portfolios or your uh, situations. So as always, uh, if you're watching us live here today, you have the opportunity to ask questions uh, live through the Q&A button. Uh, we'll try to get this to them today. If not, I will definitely follow up. If you're watching a replay, if you're listening to the podcast, again, just reach out to us there at the website. I will happily answer any of your questions and uh, make sure we get back to you. And as always, any feedback we love, a topic you'd like to hear, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, you know, as, uh, as always we do, uh, weekly features. So uh, last week, uh, we just posted one, uh, you'll probably see it on the website in the next couple of hours. Uh, we just uh, finished one up last week on uh, wills, uh, power of attorneys and representation agreements and kind of when to have those and why to use those uh, and the importance uh, of each of those things. I know a very boring topic this week, but we are, we're always trying to come up with ideas and we're going to be posting some new interviews, especially around this um, sustainable uh, investment, as I, as I mentioned in previous videos, it is a big theme for 2021, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of money flowing into it. Uh, so we're going to be bringing in uh, some guest speakers 
Google special, specialize into that. So you'll see those on our Friday, uh, sometimes Monday morning videos, depending on the editing um, and, and podcasts as well. So we'll, we'll get those out the next week or so. So let's dive into what's going on out there uh, in the news. Uh, this week, we're looking for the small business optimism uh, index to kind of uh, see where things are going. I actually expect that to be fairly good. I, I, I think we're seeing a little bit more optimism, uh, especially in the small business arena. Um, as you know, the vaccine rollout happens, it is a little bit slower than I think everyone was hoping for, but I think the outlook for later this year is starting to get more and more optimistic, but we'll get that number later this week. Uh, job openings uh, and labor turnover survey, survey for December. We didn't see in the US, in Canada, we saw uh, uh, increased uh, unemployment uh, as, as we lost more jobs. In the US, they did pick up a little bit, so we saw a little bit of drop in unemployment down in the US. Uh, still, you know, still 10 times higher than it was pre-pandemic. So, you know, still massive uh, economic recovery to happen there. Uh, but it did reverse the trend from November just slightly uh, in December. So that was, that was positive, positive news. But we're looking to see some more job numbers uh, coming out in the U.S. here shortly. And then also looking at the agricultural supply and demand estimates. That one's going to be interesting because we are starting to see inflation when it comes around to uh, food, agriculture. Uh, especially in the emerging markets where uh, certainly we Canada here, we buy a lot of our goods from uh, during the winter months, especially when things are as cold as they are these days. Uh, so um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what impact we're seeing on the supply demand there uh, and, and see how the, the uh, food prices might be affected in the coming months. We did see the stock futures, both on S&P and the Dow and NASDAQ uh, kind of slipping a little bit. Uh, not much, very small uh, percentage, so showing a little bit of, uh, you know, weakness or topping out. Uh, there's still a bunch of uncertainty, of course, around the new stimulus package in the U.S. and the continuation of, of COVID and what type of closures uh, we're seeing there. So that news is not surprising, uh, and uh, and it's something we're, we're constantly monitoring right now. There is an overvaluation in certain sectors of the market. We've talked about them. Uh, in past weeks, uh, but uh, you know we're looking for those those value plays, not so much trying to ride that top uh, top end growth uh, these days anyway. So uh, just to stay on top of, uh, of things, you know, if you follow the internet stonk, so that's the meme around uh, the the redditors who are out there uh, driving up prices around the stock market. Uh, you know, Hertz was again in the in the news in this last week. Um, you know, I've talked about, I talked about this Hertz last summer when this happened, uh, Hertz, of course, we filed for bankruptcy, um, you know, they went in for price projection, usually means wipes out their business and certainly their equity, their creditors, you know, stay around to reorganize the company and bring it back, uh, under a new equity, um, offering, but the original equity offering would have been wiped out, but, uh, you know, they saw their, their price skyrocket. Uh, for no apparent reason. And again, that's a little bit of that um, that Robin Hood buying frenzy. Uh, that was early stages. And again, if you follow these on a regular basis, we talked about it last summer. Uh, well, now that's coming to a head and then their equity is being wiped out. So all those people that ended up buying at the top there um, or driving that price up uh, without any reason, of course, are being left cold in the bag as, as those shares don't have any value. And, and of course, the GameStop um, story from 
or two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago, uh, is still playing out a little bit, uh, obviously much, much slower uh, than it was. And, um, and we don't see any real upward pressure uh, at this point. And, uh, but it's still, you know, triple what it was a month ago. So uh, it still has a long way to, uh, to, to go down. But obviously, a lot of people bought in that 400 range and it's sitting in the $60 range now. There's still a lot of losers out there that are going to uh, feel the sting of, of, of that uh, of that surge. Uh, Bezos, if you haven't followed Jeff Bezos, uh, the CEO of uh, Amazon, founder of Amazon.com, uh, uh, stepping down as CEO. Uh, he's still going to be involved with the company, obviously on the executive level. Uh, he's shifted his focus to his space venture, Blue Origin. Uh, and also a bit more philanthropic activities in his charity. Uh, he wants to spend a bit more time just uh, advancing uh, his space exploration business that uh, he wants to, I don't know if it's direct competition, but generally directly online with Elon Musk of Tesla uh, SpaceX uh, program. So uh, if you haven't heard that in the news, not too much, doesn't mean too much for Amazon, I don't think, but we'll, we'll see how the new leadership uh, may change things. Uh, Americans uh, are kind of taking that buy now, pay later shopping during the pandemic uh, more seriously. We start to see a lot of um, a lot of retail, especially, starting to offer this, you know, pay later uh, approach to to sales. Um, you know, the, uh, it's never really worked out for the buyers. I mean, it's great you buy now, you pay later. Uh, you know, maybe spread it over multiple payments. Uh, but generally, we saw this really popular for those of us who've been around for a while. Uh, this was became really popular in the late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, after a recession. And, uh, you know, a lot of people got hurt in it because uh, if you read the fine prints of if you miss any of those payments or uh, down the road, the, uh, the interest is very punitive. Uh, and we're starting to see some of those things come up now. So keeping an eye on those retail numbers to see how much dollars are tied up into that uh, pay later kind of structure and uh, see how many uh, how many buyers might be might get caught with uh, either credit problems or some very very high repayment numbers uh, the Democrats uh, are, are set uh, to back more than the 15 50 billion dollar transportation sector um, kind of bailout that we've seen this being going back for the same thing in Canada Talking, we're talking about the airlines, uh, transit systems, airports, uh, railroads in the U.S. Uh, here in Canada, it's mostly around the airlines. Uh, we still haven't got a package for them yet, or or haven't got an agreed upon package uh, yet here in Canada. But uh, but the the, U, the Democrats are looking to push forward a fifty billion dollar uh, kind of bailout or, or support structure. Uh, for the travel industry down in the United States. Canada's are a bit tied up behind the refunds. Of course, uh, you know, a lot of people had airline tickets uh, and, uh, you know, whether they were promised a refund and haven't received it yet, or instead of refunds, they just got use it later. And uh, some of them had expiry dates on them, some of them didn't. Uh, but a lot of people still have money tied up with airlines that they didn't get a refund. Uh, the government is pushing, of course, if they are going to offer any kind of bailouts or support to the airline industries, they have to uh, refund those passengers and the airlines don't want to do that. So that's kind of an impasse here in Canada. So we haven't seen anything on that front. Uh, Biden in his uh, latest package uh, or the, uh, the 
Democrats' latest package is pushing for the $15 minimum wage, uh, which cut, would cut about 1.4 million jobs out uh, by 2025 uh, and add about 54 billion over a 10-year uh, process or 10-year period uh, to the U.S. budget deficit. Um, you know that that's that's the report. So I'm reporting as it came out. Uh, however, obviously the plan is not to just cut jobs and add to debt. The idea is to actually add jobs at that higher pay, make, making a sustainable living um, more feasible for people uh, working at the minimum wage level and uh, you know, replace more than 1.4 million jobs over the next four years. And obviously that means more tax income uh, to, to, to offset that 54 billion over the 10 years after that. So uh, it's a one-sided story, but that's the story out there. So we're reporting it. Uh, hedge funds. Uh, have been betting a bit on the oil comeback, uh, or big oil comeback. I don't know about big, but oil comeback. Uh, and we'll talk a little more about the commodity here today when we get into the commodity prices. Uh, this is a, a story I started talking about. Uh, we started actually acting in the portfolios in December, started early January, first broadcast. Uh, after last year, we were very much uh, uh, out of oil as far as invested and weren't really looking at it as, looking at it as a sector. Uh, we did start moving back into it. Uh, just as a long-term or a long-term six months or so recovery play, uh, we have seen that start to move, and now we're seeing more and more institutional money move into oil, which is a good sign that uh, yes, we will see some sort of uh, recovery or start of a recovery in 2021 around that sector. Uh, so it, it, it's still an interesting play there. Uh, U.S. insurances are starting to attract, uh, trying to attract more assets as private equity are looking to uh, add them or add, uh, add acquisitions to the portfolios. Uh, in the financial sector, uh, especially in the insurance sector, um, you know, the more assets you uh, manage, uh, the, more, uh, the more value you can uh, claim or you know, to sell your company for or sell those that management of assets for. And private equity buyers are out there looking to add what we call uh, assets under management or AMA. And uh, so the insurers are out there really pushing uh, annuity sales, uh, which is interesting because annuity sales are actually very uh, interest rate sensitive. So obviously uh, not a great environment for them, but, uh, but either way, that's what they're doing. And we're seeing uh, more acquisition interest around the insurers in the US. On the COVID front, uh, in British Columbia here, the numbers uh, have topped 70,000 on Monday. Uh, you know, we're over 1,236 new cases and uh, 13 people, we've lost 13 people uh, over the last three days in British Columbia. So again, still some numbers, they have, uh, they have tapered off, uh, you know, fewer than 500 cases for 10 straight days. Um, you know, so our rollout average is about 66%. So that has come down a bit from the peak, uh, but obviously Dr. Buddy Henry, uh, you know, still keeping, um, you know, closures or limitations in, uh, in place. Uh, and we've seen 40 cases of the two new variants, 25 from the UK variant and 15 from the South African variant here, uh, here in BC, so uh, more variants. In fact, I heard today the UK has identified two new variants uh, as of this morning. Um, so obviously more, more testing with the vaccines that be done on the, on the variants, uh, according to all the results so far, uh, they are doing uh, well, so uh, to, at different degrees, depending on the variant, but they do uh, uh, still work 
uh, to a high percentage uh, against all the variants that are out there so far. The BC vaccination, sorry, uh, you know, that was delayed a bit due to supply from Pfizer, Moderna, and uh, BioNTech. Uh, the, the shipments are back, supposedly back now on track, uh, and we should begin, back, uh, begin mass immunization, immunization starting in March. And in fact, they're saying uh, anyone who over 80 should look in their mail and uh, they should be getting notice uh, of, uh, of vaccination schedules uh, in the coming weeks. So hopefully we get them back on track and can catch up on, uh, on where we fell behind. Uh, so in the US, uh, Cisco systems about to report, uh, we're still reporting the season. Uh, Cisco's uh, uh, report nearly 1% drop in second quarter revenue. Uh, despite healthy demand for their equipment, obviously in networking, uh, it comes from you know weeks after China's antitrust regulators. It's over an acquisition uh, with the company called the K uh, Acacia that uh, they're looking at purchasing for 4.5 billion. So not necessarily bad news, but uh, wasn't as optimistic as the market had hoped. Uh, Twitter's uh, going to go into post. Uh, they should have fairly good fourth quarter. We saw a big um, a big rise in digital advertising uh, come back in the last hot half of 2020 after initial slowdown. Uh, I think the big thing everyone's waiting to hear about is, is how they go, how advertisers and how Twitter might uh, change their forecast going forward based on, uh, of course, the closure of the US President Trump at the time, former president now uh, shutting down his accounts and, and how that might affect their sales. Uh, Ride hailing services, Lyft is going to report. Uh, of course, we're not expecting anything very positive out of that. Uh, as all the ride hailings, whether it be Uber or Lyft or any of the other ones, uh, have taken a hit with uh, with the closures and shutdowns and uh, just lower ridership out there. Uh, on top of that, in the U.S. news, of course, Tesla, Elon Musk out in the news uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, he's been out there uh, tweeting about Bitcoin, uh, you know, kind of talking about uh, buying it up. So they did announce that Tesla itself has bought up 1.5 billion of cryptocurrencies. So it didn't say it was Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies, uh, so that they can accept cryptocurrency payments for the Teslas. Um, I'm not going to dive too much into crypto. It's a big, long subject. Um, I did do a video on it uh, in the past. If you want to go check it out, so you can find that on our YouTube channel uh, through Mike on Money. Uh, but so just to highlight. You know, the big problem or the big challenge is regulation uh, because these cryptos are not regulated, which is the whole thing that attracts people or originally got them uh, to be kind of a thing uh, was people able to do uh, call it black market, gray market, uh, under the table uh, deals to transactions. So, you know, uh, governments don't track these. Uh, there's no ledgers or sorry, the ledger's not recorded. You kind of at a bank or anything, it's all, uh, blockchain full of the conversation as well um, you know there's, there's there's no tracking for taxation there's no tax and for uh, tracking for money laundering uh, which is all the things that attracted kind of a, a certain segment of the population to Bitcoin uh, to do these underground transactions uh, so today we're you know where are we at the tip, tipping point of cryptos to become legitimate for example can you go buy te a Tesla or anything else uh, with with cryptocurrency, so there's a few a few issues. I'll just quickly highlight. Uh, so so one, which crypto is it going to be, right? Because people don't want to have like have to have multi cryptos. You know, I'm going to buy my Tesla with Bitcoin, but I'm going to go buy 
uh, you know, gas with, you know, Dogecoin, which is another whole funny story, uh, or, you know, uh, uh, Facebook wants to come out with their Libra um, uh, cryptocurrency. Apple wants to come out with their cryptocurrency. Obviously, people don't want to be exchanging between cryptos back and forth, uh, depending on what they're buying. So that's one issue. So how is it going to be standardized and who decides that? And is it by country, et cetera? Secondly, money launder is a big thing. You know, I could be in China and upload uh, money, uh, cash into Bitcoin or crypto, uh, and then, you know, fly to Australia and uh, download or pay with it, uh, or, you know, download it and sell it and then put it into the banking system. And, um, you know, how does anyone track the source of that? Because that's a big thing about moving money around the, around the globe or even around the country, uh, you know, money laundering uh, to, to, to track that is, you know, what was the source? And where is it going? Uh, so that's a problem with it. Uh, obviously, you know, easy thing would be someone put uh, their money into a crypto, buy a Tesla, turn around, sell the Tesla for dollars, and then deposit the dollars in the bank, and you've now just cleaned a bunch of money. So, uh, so not great uh, for for governments that way. And then also tax, like how you charge the sales tax on cryptos, as it's not tracked uh, or, or or monitored. So. All these problems have left world banks, not just the US, not just Canada, but world bank, central banks, scrambling to figure out cryptocurrency and how they're going to regulate it. The problem is once they come in with regulation and standardization, all the appeal of crypto goes away. It just becomes currency. So um, that's the challenge, I think, around crypto. Uh, there's also limited supply right now, which is you know driving the price up. So all those different things. Again, I don't want to dive too much into that. Probably spent too much time on it already, but that's what's going on with uh, with Tesla and Elon Musk. Uh, anyway, EU um, Vestager is uh, warning Apple to treat uh, all the apps equal amid the privacy dispute. So this is another uh, antitrust uh, dispute with uh, mostly Facebook is is kind of at the, the forefront of this. Uh, and this is Apple wants to uh, build into their phones a, uh, a feature that basically will allow you to turn off all tracking um, uh, by any of the apps, right? Regardless of what the apps uh, service policy say, uh, just basically you'd be able to turn it off and uh, the apps wouldn't be able to do any tracking uh, at all. Uh, and, uh, and that represents the estimates around $25 billion annual revenue for Facebook where they sell that data to their advertisers. So, you know, the, there was a, one of Apple's uh, engineers came out and said, you know, you might have uh, something uh, tracking turned off on one app, but uh, they did an example of uh, a father and daughter who were going to the movies. The father, you know, uh, Google at home had uh, tracked uh, or looked up the movie theater times at a local theater, um, you know, and checked traffic and they got the car and Two of the apps uh, were tracking their movements. They took a photo uh, when they grabbed a bite, uh, bite to eat. Of course, the photo uh, tracks something. Uh, and if advertisers go in and buy up kind of this collection of data from different providers, they could actually follow you your entire route. They can track you know, what you like to buy, where you like to go, where you live, what you do. And this engineer kind of mapped out this individual and you know who was in their family, how many people lived in the house. So it was quite a bit of data. So Apple, uh, I, you can look at it as a good thing, uh, is trying to put this feature in to block that. Uh, and some of the uh, apps, again, Facebook being one of the bigger ones, are saying, no, we need that. That's a big revenue source for us. 
Uh, so here's the battle. Uh, Vestager is basically saying, hold on, okay, if you do this Apple, that's fine, uh, but you can't make exceptions. So you can't you know, give favoritism, say, to Facebook where they would still get it, but all the other ones wouldn't. So you know, just try to create, create a fair playing field. Uh, Hasbro also uh, putting their earnings out uh, has been hampered in near time uh, near term cost pressures. Uh, you know they had a great holiday sale or holiday sales numbers uh, over the fourth quarter. However, uh, their costs has increased around the manufacturing, especially new video content. Of course, everyone's digesting a ton of video content through streaming uh, services, uh, and uh, that just they've increased the cost there. Uh, other Apple news, Hyundai and Kia uh, were in talks with Apple uh, over a car deal to build the new Apple car. Uh, so there was a lot of speculation, you know, those early talks uh, started to take place uh, and a lot of people piled into Hyundai and Kia as in, as in stocks uh, as speculation that Apple was going to sign the deal. Uh, Kia and Hyundai are now saying uh, those talks are off uh, and that wiped out about $8.5 billion off the market value of those stocks. Uh, given it doesn't look like they will be the ones building the Apple cars. Uh, and these are the self-drive Apple electric cars that uh, they're, they're, they're gearing up to, uh, to start to launch. Uh, electric truck manufacturer Exos is uh, in deal stocks to go public, so there's uh, IPO. Uh, this makes a ton of sense. I mean, uh, you've got a hot, um, uh, as we're going to talk about, uh, environmental or ESG uh, market, so electric vehicle manufacturers are very much in the press. Um, you know, maybe on the script tales of, of Tesla's early moves, but uh, you know, very, uh, very large appetite for people to put money into these companies. And the IPO market is, is quite strong. So um, they've just uh, signed kind of a blank check acquisition. Just means that uh, it's going to be best, uh, best raise that they can get. Uh, with the next gen, uh, which is a uh, acquisition or uh, financier uh, to take the public uh, and they're estimated around $2 million. So uh, why not take the money while the money is hot for the company, uh, especially as they, uh, as they look to expand. Uh, on the Canadian front, uh, before I get into this, uh, just news this morning, uh, if any of you are big fans of TS, uh, TSN 1060, which is uh, the Bell radio station for sports, uh, has just been closed. Uh, Bell completely shut down, uh, effective immediately. Uh, everyone laid off, and that affected not just Vancouver, um, but there was Hamilton, I think Winnipeg, and Toronto uh, stations as well were all just shut down today. So not great news for, for anyone uh, involved there. I'm not sure how that market's going to uh, adjust uh, with that with that closure, or, or if Bell's going to come out with something new, but uh, certainly the early, uh, early news we got on that is um, not much other than the closures. So we'll keep a, keep an eye on that for you as well. Uh, Canada Nickel, uh, which Canadian Nickel uh, Miner, uh, has been in talks with the US government over supplying uh, metals to the EV battery. Uh, so we, we're gonna talk more about this uh, infrastructure uh, and we talked about it previously in the electric cars segment we've done in the past. Um, you know. It's not just buying the companies who are making the cars uh, where the opportunities are, uh, but there's a lot of metals, there's a lot of uh, products that go into it, that uh, into that supply chain, uh, you know, that uh, will do quite well in nickel, uh, obviously uh, one of those metals that are important for the batteries. Li Kaixing, uh, which you might not have heard the name in a while, but uh, he's still out there. Uh, he's uh, back in, uh, 
Well Health to buy CRH Medical for almost 300 million. Uh, so this goes to, uh, again, some talks we talked about last year about uh, how the pandemic made a seismic shift for uh, disruptive technology. So this is the, you know, technology's ability to come in and change or, or, or modify how we, uh, how we approach existing industries, uh, make them more efficient, make them more profitable, uh, make the faster growth. Uh, and we talked about that around the health sector, you know, this telehealth or, or video health uh, access to doctors. Uh, well, here's another example of more investment going into that uh, into that market. Uh, well, you know, back to my Li Haixing, but um, you know, buying the CRH Medical to get access, uh, well health access into the U.S. market and continue to expand that. Uh, the Canadian province of Alberta has backed down from reopening the uh, the Rockies to coal mines. They haven't backed around the idea completely for the open pit coal mines, but uh, has backed off a little bit. Uh, which is good, you know, given everything else that's, that's happening around energy, uh, it's almost a bit of a step backwards and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we see a little bit more thought going into the environmental impact of those. On the dollar front, the US dollar front, uh, it's continuing its decline. You know, we did see a little bit of surge up after the election. Um, I'd say surge up. It ticked up a little bit, uh, but it, the momentum is down, obviously, with this new um, stimulus package coming out, more printing money, more inflation, uh, it would drive down the, the, the dollars. Also, we saw January worse than expected non-farm payroll report. So, uh, you know, just concerns around the job outlook. Uh, even though I uh, mentioned last in December, it was slightly better. Uh, it wasn't overly optimistic uh, in, in the US either, but in, in mentioned Canada dropped, but mostly it wasn't as optimistic that the US was going to recover way faster than say the rest of the world, uh, Europe or others. Um, in fact, it looks like it's going to be a little bit slower. They mentioned Bitcoin on the, on the news of, uh, of Tesla and Elon Musk there. Saw a big jump to uh, 47,100 US dollar. Uh, that might have changed dramatically since now, or since I, I, I pulled up those numbers as it does move on an hourly basis, but that is a new high for it. Uh, so that's per Bitcoin. Uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. It it moves it moves up wildly as much as it moves down uh, wildly, and the bond market also ticked up slightly, um, just on some auction of some three year notes from the from the U.S. government um, as they as they raise money for government debt. On the commodity front, oil did tick up. It broke through sixty dollars on the on the futures, uh, you know, which is a far cry from last May when it was minus thirty four dollars. A barrel, um, so sixty dollars. It is a high, for uh, you know, first time in a year that we've seen it at that at that level. Uh, that doesn't mean it's it's taken taken off to the to the sky. Um, you know, obviously, good news for that industry uh, as as they shore up the pricing a little bit. Uh, most of that around um, production cuts and dropping inventories, uh, which is being managed fairly well. Um, you know, we still haven't seen the demand increase, but uh, first step towards uh, a real uh, recovery around that commodity. Gold prices, of course, with the US dollar down did rise uh, did rise a bit. And of course, the outlook, uh, despite a little bit of wavering in the price recently, um, uh, the outlook is still really strong for gold, especially with another almost $2 trillion stimulus package coming out of uh, the US supports the metals uh, pretty strongly. Uh, and silver is in there too, by the way. You know, I haven't talked a ton about silver. Uh, it's usually a back, takes a back seat to gold. In recent weeks, it's been in the front seat. 
mostly due to Reddit, but not completely unwarranted. Uh, you know, silver, uh, a cheaper commodity, but still uh, one of the precious metals that generally moves uh, with inflation as well. So let's talk about uh, ESG uh, or environmental, uh, social, and governance investing. Um, and, and the big thing, and, I, and I've talked about this in, uh, in one-off videos, but I'm going to you know, highlight a few things. The first thing when we talk about this is to really understand what you're, uh, what you're looking to invest in, either because you think it's a good investment or because you want uh, to focus your investments ESG. So there's, there's kind of two camps out there. You know, people who are investing in ESG because they think there's growth there, uh, which there is, uh, and we've talked about that. Uh, or if they want, you know, from a, from a support standpoint, say, hey, I want my portfolio to be ESG. Now we are ESG here. We actually have a very, uh, our desk in the UK, which is our central desk, but it's our global ESG desk, uh, was just nominated for one of the uh, ESG uh, Managers of the Year awards. Uh, and myself, I am a member of SRI Canada, Socially Responsible Investing uh, Canada, uh, which focuses on ESG investing. So we do offer that for people. Uh, but you know, the big thing when we talk about this is what, uh, what does it mean to you? Because that, that, since ESG has come out or, or the concept of ESG has come out you know, over a decade or so ago, uh, there's been a lot of confusion around that. It started off being called ethical and, and then it evolved to uh, you know, kind of clean and now ESG is the new standard. Um, but what does that mean? Because ethical, social, and governance are three different things. So uh, let's break them down. Uh, e, ethical or, or environmental, sometimes those are interchangeable. Uh, you know, that's focusing you know, around the environment. Uh, uh, renewable uh, practices, right? Are, you know, uh, whatever you might be in, uh, whether you're in mining, are you doing it in a renewable fashion? Uh, minimal damage to the environment. Um, minimal uh, carbon footprints, uh, you know, whether it's fishing, uh, manufacturing, you know, how are you affecting the environment? Are you minimizing things? So uh, you might have seen this. So, you know, I, I laugh sometimes these ads, you know, they say, you know, show a pipeline with this, I see a picture of this pipeline with this green forest, you know, all grown over and they say there's a pipeline here, but it's beautiful. And then they show a lithium mine, which goes into your batteries. Uh, and an open pit lithium mine looks horrible and environmentally damaging. You know, those are extremes. Obviously, there was a lot of damage to put the pipeline in. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it was and they repaired it. Uh, and the same idea with, uh, with lithium mining, you know, some are better than others. But, uh, but, that's, but that's the thing. When you're investing in, in the environmental aspect of things, how good are those companies in their areas at having minimal environmental impact? So that's one aspect that some people might want to have in their portfolios. The social aspect, so now this looks at how they treat their employees, their suppliers, uh, and, their, uh, and their customers, right? Like how socially responsible are they? Are they acting well for the communities? Are they, uh, do they pay their employees properly? Do they give them sick leave? Do they, um, you know, as far as the suppliers, do, you know, do they do everything to crush the suppliers price in and profits and business just so that they can get profits. So there's that social aspect. Are they being socially responsible uh, to the community, to the health of the economy, uh, to the growth of everyone involved? Uh, and then lastly, governance. So governance, this is 
you know, uh, legislation? Are they working to improve the world, improve the countries that they operate in? Um, you know, do they work with local authorities uh, to, you know, find solutions uh, and, and stakeholders? And when we say stakeholders, it's really important difference between shareholders is you can be very responsible to your shareholder, but your stakeholders are, are more than that, right? The stakeholders are the communities that you're, you're involved in. It's the countries and the cities that you're working in. Uh, and it's the environment in general, the world in general. So that's what the definition of ESG. So when you look for that in your portfolio, uh, just know what you're looking to get out of that. Um, you know, some people will say, I don't want sin stocks or I don't want oil or I don't. And those are all good requests. And, and, and those are very doable in portfolios today. But um, ESG is not necessarily no oil or no fossil fuels or, or no, no, no. It, it just means that they're going to focus on the companies who are doing a really good job in their industries uh, in those sectors. Uh, now, a lot of ESG can be completely outside of environmental impacts. Uh, and you can ask for that inside an ESG portfolio. So I want to define that a bit more detail because uh, it's important to know what you yourself as an investor are looking for. So what's driving this, this sustainable investment? Well, there's a few things, um, two major things I think that we're seeing. So one is money, money flow. So we're seeing a lot of interest uh, and push not just from um, you know individuals, but pension plans, institutional investors, uh, you know corporate investing are basically saying, "Hey, we ourselves are trying to be ESG, so our investments have to be ESG." So they're going to their investment managers or their portfolios and saying, "Everything in there have to meet a certain standard of ESG." Now there is no current global standard for ESG. There are. Uh, uh, organizations trying to get a consensus on, on what fully qualifies as ESG, um, but we're not quite there yet. So there's this money flow of, of companies and pensions saying, hey, I only want my investments in ESG, therefore get rid of everything else and go there. So we're seeing this flow of capital into ESG, uh, which is you know important if you want to see good growth, uh, is you have to have interest from uh, the, the capital sources. Secondly, we're seeing technology catch up. So, you know, I mentioned coal, Alberta talking about coal, and of course, the last administration in the US uh, focused a lot about, in coal, about bringing coal back. Coal didn't die because everyone said, hey, that's dirty energy. That was a part of it for sure. The biggest part of oil, uh, sorry, coal um, kind of falling off the map and, you know, shrinking as an industry massively is that technology got better and cheaper, right? So as, an, as industry said, hey, if we're gonna generate power, it cost me you know, one cent to create that much power uh, of coal, but it only cost me half a cent to do that through whether it be natural gas or other, uh, other more renewable sources. Uh, and that's what we're at right now on a technology front when it's around ESG. So you have industry saying, hey, not only can I say I'm ESG if I invest in this, but I'm saving money. And that's a big driver because companies, if they can do it cheaper, will try to do it cheaper. If they, uh, if they can't do it cheaper, you know, if, if the non-ESG version is cheaper, they will try to push for that. But we're at that tipping point. In fact, I'd say we're probably just past that tipping point where the different technologies are now 
pump it out, whether it be energy, vehicles, uh, uh, processes, all these things are starting to tip way, way more towards uh, ESG as being the cheaper source. So that's going to push the others out, right? That's going to push the non-ESG or the non-ESG practices out of the process and out of, out of the uh, spending uh, chain uh, over time. So that's where we see uh, a lot of growth. The last one is really important to keep in mind, I think, in, about not just investing, but that social aspect of the chains that we're probably going to see a lot of over the next decade is millennials and Gen Z to a large extent, because this group combined, certainly even just the millennials alone uh, in the next five to six, I think it was by 2025, I, I think I saw, we're going to make up 25% of the population. And right behind them, you have Gen Z, which have uh, a lot of similar views, um, not just on ESG or environments, uh, environmental outlook, uh, but very different outlooks as far as uh, governments and, and, and kind of um, priorities. Let's, put, let's call it prior, prioritizing uh, what's important to this generation. So much like we saw the baby movers come through the 70s and 80s have a massive impact, political, social, environmental uh, impact because of their size, because of the power of their vote their interest as they went through their different years, you know, in their 20s, of course, uh, you know, they wanted everything more for free. There was a lot of support around that. Uh, everyone does in their 20s because you don't have any money. Uh, and then, you know, their, their, their family important, you know, everything focused on family when they were in their 30s and 40s and then it shifted to kind of retirements and taxation, uh, all that. So now we have this other large group uh, that is gonna come through with their votes over the next decade and, and even longer, um, that there is no group, uh, generational groups, uh, even close to being as large as them uh, when it comes to voting. So um, they have a large interest in sustainable uh, investing or sustainable companies. And with that pushing governments to follow what they're asking for, because of course governments want to get reelected and these are the, this is the group with the votes that's going to push a lot towards ESG investing, uh, certainly over the next few years, but even I'd say into the next decade. So, um, you know, will sustainable investment help us drive, or sorry, will sustainable investments help us drive sustainable business activities? Kind of covered that 100%, you know, uh, investing, or the more investment we make into it, it's going to drive the cost down even further, making it way more viable for companies uh, companies to uh, to get on board. And we're seeing that with cars, right? Like, you, you, well, again, we'll go back to Tesla's kind of call it the first to market when it comes to the electric cars. Um, you know, they, they proved you could go and run a car cheap or cheaper than, uh, than gas. Um, now, there's a lot of stats and arguments around whether, you know, how that works out, you know, based on the price of it and everything else. But what we're now seeing is all the new cars, electric vehicles coming into market, coming in much, much cheaper because now there's more investment, uh, there's more economy scales, there's more numbers uh, as far as sales go. Uh, so those cars get cheaper and cheaper. And when those entry points get to equal or potentially less than gas vehicles, uh, all of a sudden uh, you now have uh, that tipping point. And that's what you know investing in sustainable will do. And it will just drive more business. Uh, Elon Musk invested in electric cars in Tesla. 
prove their viability. And now there's way more invested by every car manufacturer in the world uh, now, and even a bunch of new ones to bring more business in that area. Simple, simple supply demand. Uh, so what is the future of environmental and sustainable investment? So for 2021, I, I want to highlight some areas uh, that are key themes in, in ESG uh, in investing um, that you might not see every day or, or you might not be looking for in the press. And I think they're key areas to, to keep an eye on or, or focus, uh, you know, opportunity to. So uh, one of those is cybersecurity. Talked about cybersecurity, love cybersecurity for over two years now. Um, believe it or not, that's ESG, very ESG. Uh, not a lot of environmental impact, socially responsible, and good governance, right? So it falls in those categories. It's one of the biggest uh, areas of investment when we talk about ESG. So, um, you know, very, uh, very important. You know, another one that's really surprising is oncology. Uh, people are living a lot longer. We have an aging population. Uh, cancer is, 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 you know, the, the chance, chances of uh, getting cancer goes up the longer you live, uh, as far as the population goes. Uh, but the survival rates now are, are hitting 80 to 84%, which is, which is amazing. And, and the more investment that goes into that, uh, the more, um, the more opportunity. Again, we hit the environmental factor. Social, obviously, very big impact on social uh, and then governance again. Be, you know, very positive uh, uh, helping uh, help people live longer and help people survive a horrible disease. Um, moving probably a little bit more obvious one, electric. Now when we talk about electric, we're talking about batteries, we're talking about the supply chain, not necessarily the manufacturers. In fact, not all the manufacturers actually check that environmental box or social box um, or even governmental box. Uh, or governance box uh, when it comes to their manufacturing process. And this goes back to, you know, who's cleaner, uh, who's doing it right, what's their carbon footprint, um, you know, how they treat the employees. So we do though look really closely at the supply chain, uh, you know, the, the, the parts or the, the, the battery technology, uh, because what's really gonna make a massive in difference when it comes to this uh, moving forward, you might hear it sometimes in the news about storage, the battery that can store that energy better, longer, last longer, uh, are the components uh, recyclable, uh, et cetera. Also hydrogen's in there. Hydrogen's making a big comeback as you know, these electric motors are being run off of hydrogen now, uh, as opposed to uh, you know, just a hydrogen combustion engine. Those are out and, and, and also making a bit of a comeback, but the hydrogen to electric conversion, uh, you know, using the electric motor, uh, and, and electric motors are, are last a lot longer than combustion engines. Obviously, a lot less moving parts, a lot less maintenance cost, uh, et cetera. So, so that's a big area is around the kind of that electronic area. Another one is water, clean water. Just started trading as a commodity. Uh, you know, we take it for granted. Probably here in Canada, we're very, very fortunate. Uh, a lot of fresh water in Canada and in a mature country where uh, we have access to it through, you know, fairly good clean water through our taps, uh, but not everywhere uh, in the world has that and investing in water or, or sustainable water um, going forward uh, is becoming a big area for ESG. And the last one, not surprising, but you probably don't have it at the top of your thought uh, when you think about ESG is waste, right? How are we dealing with waste? 
whether it be re not just recycling, but reusing. How are we taking from you know, the landfill back into the supply or product chain? Um, plastics, obviously, at the forefront of this issue, not just what we're seeing dumped in the ocean. I mean, I think a lot of people will be massively shocked if they actually looked at you know, what you put in your blue bin uh, every week for recycling and how much actually gets recycled. Won't get into the whole problems and issues around that. It is a massive issue, not just here in Canada, but globally, uh, hence why our oceans have become filled with them. Um, but it's not just plastics, it's, it's everything. It's electronics, it's metals. Um, and it's not just, can we recycle it? Can we do it cost efficiently? Remember, it goes back to, can you make it cost effective for the businesses to switch? Um, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, th these metals that go into batteries. There's technologies out there actually being manufactured where they can dip, you know, electronics into um, chemical baths uh, that will leach one chemical at a time uh, and, and extrude it into um, a, a reusable uh, uh, metal again uh, for the next generation of battery or, or whatever uh, piece of electronic uh, that they're using. And then they dip into a different bath, they get a different metal, et cetera. And the big thing to keep about, in mind about that is um, the big costs of, of, of metals, it's not the metal itself, it's getting it. And it's not just getting the metal out of the ground, um, but getting it to where it needs to be for manufacturing, right? They've got, it's gotta be shipped. That's a lot of uh, carbon footprint to ship things, uh, depending on where it's coming from. Uh, you know, it could be from around the globe to, to, to get to the manufacturing point. Um, whereas these, these bath recycling baths uh, can be built right next to your manufacturing centers. And uh, you skip all that carbon uh, footprint or carbon uh, cost of, of moving those things. So there's a lot of areas in ESG that we don't think of every day. And I think are gonna be very big themes in 2020, 2021. Again, you know, cybersecurity, oncology, health, uh, you don't wanna call it health, the electric supply chain, uh, water, uh, big becoming massive around the world and waste management or waste recycling or waste reuse is, is a massive, massive uh, area of growth. As we, we as a planet have to figure out how we take waste and, and, and reuse that, and no matter what kind of waste that is. So uh, so those are the themes I kind of want to cover it off this week. Uh, I know, did I go over time? My, as usual, a few minutes over uh, when I try to target the 45 minutes. Uh, but with that, thank you very much for joining us. Again, go to mikeoutmoney.com if you uh, want to see that, this uh, or more. i uh, love to hear your feedback. Uh, enjoy the sunny weather and stay warm out there. Thank you, everyone. Take care.